Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of Addicted to Crime. Today we are going to be talking about the case of missing woman Heather Teague. Heather went missing from the quiet, laid-back state of Kentucky in August of 1995, and she hasn't been seen or heard from since, although there are many suspects. Let's dive into the case. you guys been? I hope you have had a fantastic two weeks since I heard from you last. I have some true crime news to share with you and I have a personal story I wanted to share with you guys super quick. All right first let me tell you a little bit about my week. I had an emotional roller coaster sort of a week. So my dog, Bailey, went missing, and he was gone for about five days. And we finally, don't worry, don't get sad, we finally found him in a field near our house, and he's okay, everything's fine, like, I'm good now, like, I'm in a way happier place than I was earlier, but it was a hard couple days, you know, if if anyone has ever lost a pet, they're a member of the family, it's really hard when they go away, and... He's such a mama's boy, so it was really weird for him to even be missing in the first place. But his disappearance is kind of a mystery in itself. So get this. He was right there with me the day he went missing, but all of a sudden he just vanished. No trace. I didn't see, like, him chase after anything or anything like that. We called everyone we knew. We drove all around our farm. We have about 400 acres, so we had a lot of area to search. And then the the area around us is farmland as well. So we like went to our neighbors, checked in their fields. We put up flyers even in the towns and at all the stop signs. We put up notices in our radio station, our local radio station. I called all the humane societies. I called the police department to see if like anyone would report like a dog running loose or something. Nothing. And I'd been sharing pictures of him all over social media just to try to get people familiar with his face. Just to and like what he looked like, you know, to just to be on the lookout. Well, my husband thought after a couple days of him being gone, you know, maybe somebody stole him. Like, he's a really pretty dog. He's a golden retriever. It's a really popular breed. And he's very, very, very friendly. Like, he would follow anyone. And so I made a Facebook post Friday night. I've been missing, at that point, he'd been missing four days. And I said, you know, in this post, like, if you stole Bailey, please give him the best life. Please love him. Please let him outside. Please spoil him. Stuff like that. And it was just a way for me to express my feelings and just to kind of let the emotions out, so to speak. Like, I had been holding all this in. Like, as I was typing this Facebook page, I was just sobbing. I was just feeling heartbroken that he was gone. And also in the back of my mind, I was thinking maybe I could compel someone. If someone did take him, maybe this post would compel them to bring him back. And I wasn't sure if it would work. Um, But it was a way for me to heal, like I said, get all my words out, get my feelings out. 
but also in the back of my head hoping that this could be the case to getting him brought back. Well, the next day, the next afternoon, some friends of ours who'd been looking for him spotted him all of a sudden in a field right next to our house. Like it wasn't on our land, but it was like a field that touched ours. And then, so we all went and looked and then my mom found him. I know I was crying. Like when she put him on the FaceTime, like it was so emotional. It was so amazing. And you're probably thinking like, okay, cool. Like whatever, shut up, skip 15 seconds, 15 seconds. But guys, like, hang on. I don't think he ran away. Okay, here we go. First off, he's very, very, very long haired. The second he goes outside, even in our yard, I'm like pulling burdock off of him, like these little burrs off of him. I'm constantly having to get them off of him, constantly having to brush him. Well, after him being on for five days, he didn't have a single burr on him. That's just really, really strange. Second, he didn't seem malnourished at all. He is 100% a spoiled baby. Like, he's used to his two meals a day, tons of snacks during the day. He's a total inside dog. And then he was in an area where he didn't have food for five days. It just didn't seem... He didn't look like... I guess he didn't look like what I thought he would have looked like. Also, I checked that area that we found him in multiple times. So it just leaves you to think maybe someone saw the Facebook post or turned him back to where they found him. Or maybe he just ran away. Like, you never know. And I'll never know. But either way, he's home with us right now. He's sitting at my feet as I record this. He he just completes our family. My family feels whole again. And I just wanted to share that little story with you guys. Sorry if it annoys you. You can skip it if it does. But I wanted to share that story with you guys. All right, now let's talk about some true crime news that's going on right now. There's a lot of different news going on right now. Of course, uh, 22-year-old Gabby Petito, of course, if you don't know who she is, she went missing while on a van trip with her fiancé, Brian Laundrie. They were uh, near the Grand Teton National Park. And sadly, her body was discovered deceased in that area. And Brian Laundry brought the van from that area back home to Florida without her. That's when all of this, uh, this craziness started, when all these uh, missing persons announcements and flyers went up all over online and when the world kind of just came together to look for Gabby. And then when we found out she had died, now her death was just recently ruled a homicide, as I am recording this. And Brian Laundry went quote-unquote missing, went on the run. Let's be real. He didn't go missing. So I don't want to cover this case for a bit. I just personally feel like there's a lot of speculation going on right now. There's a lot of uh, uh, not true things floating around right now, and I really don't want to taint the case. And I kind of want to wait until more details come out and until we get clearer just clear until we get a clearer path on what's happened here as of right now I'm recording on 92621 Brian Laundry is still um MIA the police are looking for him they have issued a manhunt not for Gabby's murder but for just some other thing that he had going against him but he is a person of interest in this case and like I said everyone's actively looking for him in the state of Florida and the surrounding states just trying to find him and Hopefully, we can get some answers here. My heart goes out to Gabby, though, and to her family, her parents, especially her friends, all those who loved her. She was a beautiful, happy girl. She seemed so full of life and joyful. 
and it's just so sad that her life was taken so soon i oh i hope and pray justice is going to be served soon let's find this guy I'll keep updating you guys since I am posting links here and not, here and again to my socials. Um, but I, like I said, I won't cover this as a case until I have more concrete details that I can share with you, so that I don't I don't want to have a fear that I'm sharing misinformation. Um, so I really want to wait until I get more details. Okay. Now that I finished telling you about all this stuff, I finished telling you um, about the updates that I wanted to share with you. One more thing, don't forget that I am doing some Addicted to Crime shorts. They are going out, I'm trying to go out once a week. They're just a short little uh, true crime story that I am posting on my social medias. You can find it on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok under my show name. Um, I covered, let's see, I did Elisa Lamb, and then I did, um, who else did I do? Oh, I did Diane Downs, and then I just did a missing persons case on there that is really interesting, and I, like I said, she's a missing person, and there's a lot of information out on her, so if you have not watched those three videos, go ahead and watch them, and maybe I can keep you, like, uh, content while I have my weeks off. So you're going to have like me doing a super long dive. And then the next week when the podcast is silent, you can have a little video or you can keep a little snippet of true crime in your ears all the time, let's say. <laughs> all right. Now that I have jabbered for almost 10 minutes on a lot of different, different things, one more update. Robert Durst, the jinx, he was convicted of first degree murder against his friend, Susan Berman. I mentioned a little bit about his case in the breaking news episode that I did with our guest Olivia. Now, prosecutors allege that he killed Susan Berman to keep quiet about his ex-wife's disappearance thought to be murder now, obviously. Now, it's it's very, very likely that the state is going to pursue a murder charge against Robert Durst for his ex-wife's death, and pro that's probably going to come pretty soon, honestly. Like, he's an old guy. He's very feeble. And they want to charge him to get justice for her before he kicks the bucket. But we all get glad, at least, that he has been charged and he has been convicted with Susan Berman's murder, R.I.P. Susan. All right, now that all that is over, let's talk about our the subject of our case today, Heather Teague. Let's first talk about her early life. She was born on April 25th, 1972, and she was born in Kentucky. She was a beautiful girl. She had a lot of family, a lot of friends, and honestly, if you look at pictures of her, to me, it just screams the 80s. Like, she was, I don't know, she's got the big puffy hair. She's got the bangs in some pictures. She's got this huge, huge smile. She really seemed like a lovely person. And every article that I read about her, that's what they said. She was just so lovely. Her smile was infectious. She was just out there to seize the world and to just make the most of the world. All right, let's talk about the day she went missing. This is just crazy. It's just a crazy, crazy story. And again, there's not a ton of information. I don't know if I said that yet. There's not a ton of information on this case. I, I watched a YouTube video that I can link in the show notes if I find it. Again, I, I lost it. I couldn't find it. 
But I watched I watched a YouTube uh, segment about it. I did not find a podcast about it. I've been reading literally every single article that I could get my hands on. Um, but there's not a lot of information, and it is still up to this day, 2021, unsolved. So let's talk about at least what we know or what we think we know about the day she went missing. Now, on August 26th, 1995, Heather was sunbathing on the beach in Kentucky. Now, you're probably like, what beach in Kentucky? Like, there's no beach in Kentucky. Well, it wasn't a real beach like Florida or Jersey has. It was a body of water set aside with some beach like the sand. So, it was the Newburgh Beach in Henderson County in Spotsville, Kentucky. And if you don't know where that is, it is the Kentucky side of the Ohio River. There was a spot, you know, with some nice sand that everyone in that area used for, like, a relaxation point, and that was their beach, you know. So, it's not like, don't think, like, tropical. That was their beach. Now, not a worry in the world on this day. It's August. It's hot. Heather's sunbathing. She's got her red plaid bathing suit on. She is just there to relax. Like I said, she is just a fun-loving person. So I'm sure she was using this as just a time to unwind. She really needed a time to unwind. She needed a time just to relax. And that is what this day was going to be for her. Now, unbeknownst to Heather, there was a man watching him and this man was across the Ohio River on the other side and he was watching her on the beach with a telescope. According to him, he saw her lying there in her red plaid bathing suit. He saw her long brown hair. He thought she was very beautiful and then he caught another man marching up to her holding a gun and forcing her away. And I actually have his 911 call. And it's pretty long, but he tells it so interestingly. And I want to play it and I want you to kind of just listen. Listen to how he sounds. Listen to the story. We'll recap it when we're done. But I'm going to go ahead and play that for you right now. Mm-hmm. And she was right there at that end. 
And I swear this guy looked like he had a gun. He come down, he had a chrome plate. I could see it glistening in the sun. And it looked like a revolver. And he snuck up behind her, and she was laying face down on the on the mat. And, he, and she had long hair, and he grabbed her by the head of the hair and raised her head up and showed her the gun. And then when she did, she stood up, and she grabbed a towel that was laying there, and she put it on top of her, and he marched her in front of him right up to the top of the trees. What did she look like? She was, uh, I didn't, I only had like a 25 on, on the scope, so she was, uh, she was Caucasian, and she was, uh, she had long, kind of brownish black hair. Mm-hmm. You mean long to her shoulder, to her uh, waist, or what? Over her back, probably. What color was her bathing suit? Uh, she didn't have a top on, but she had a bikini bottoms on that was kind of like a multicolored flower color. Okay, she had on a multicolored flyer bottom bikini. Yeah. And all her stuff's still here. It's been 20 minutes ago, and she ain't come back yet. He marched up in the trees, and, and there were, at the time it happened, there was only one other group of people on the beach, and they were down the far right end. end. What did he look like? He was kind of heavy set. Uh, he just had like a, a blue jean uh, cut-off pants on and tennis shoes, and it looked, I couldn't tell if he had a full beard or if he just had real shaggy hair and, or something over his face. But you couldn't what make, color is his hair, sir?
Okay, so that was a couple minutes long. Let's real quick kind of talk about what this man said. So his name is Timothy Walthall. He said he saw her lying face down sunbathing. He said she did not have a top on. She was sunbathing. He said that like five times. He said that he saw a man without a shirt on running from a little wooded area next to where she was lying. He said that she, this man had bushy hair, um, that he wasn't wearing a shirt, and that, like I said, he had a gun. And the gun was chrome-plated. He said that multiple, multiple times. Chrome-plated, chrome-plated. It glinted in the sun. That's how he saw it. And the man ran up to her, grabbed her by the hair, according to Timothy Walthall, held her up, and it seemed like to him that the guy was showing her his gun and then made her stand up as she's trying to cover herself with a towel and then he dragged her into this wooded area and Timothy Walthall said he waited after seeing that happen. He waited for 25 minutes. He told the officer that he waited for 25 minutes for her to come back out and when she didn't, he finally decided that he needed to call 911. Okay, that's our little recap about the 911 call. Um, what stood out to you? To me, um, I guess a lot of details that he repeated kind of stood out to me. Um, the chrome-plated gun, obviously. The fact that she was sunbathing. Um, and just the coincidence. Like, did, did that stick out to you at all? Like, this man at 1245 is on the Indiana side looking at the Ohio River and happened to catch this? He happened to be looking out, scanning this exact area where somebody came up on Heather and uh, kidnapped her? I don't know. To me, it's very, very, very weird how coincidental like this. And we really do not have a lot of cases like this where there's literally an eyewitness and not just you know, like a passerby or eyewitness. This guy got so many details from this and that's just really odd to me. And that's just one fact that really makes this case stand out. Like you heard on the 911 call, he was, he didn't sound very concerned, but he had a lot of details and he knew he needed to share it. So this is just a really different case from the get-go. Right after Timothy was done making this report to 911, Police went immediately to the site that he described and they started looking for Heather. Police located her stuff right away, still sitting on the beach where he said that it would be, but they did not find any sign of Heather. They looked all up and down the beach. They looked in the wooded area that Timothy Walthall said that the man dragged her still, but still nothing. No sight of the man who dragged her away or Heather. Dogs were brought in as well, but they just couldn't locate her scent once she got to that wooded area. Also, the fact to me that this guy was so brazen the middle of the day to run out there with a gun, drag this woman to the woods, it seems very, very brazen to me. And it's just so, so strange. And also the fact that no one else saw this. No one else but Timothy Walthall. 
No. And also, about that guy, too. Like, he had to have been pretty strong. Like, later, Timothy would say that he was about six feet tall and about 210 to 230 pounds. And he was a Caucasian male. So, the, Timothy Walthall described him as a pretty big guy. And he must have been to be able to overpower Heather and to come up her come up on her and surprise her like that and get her to come with him and to drag her basically into the wooded area so that's one thing to keep in mind as well like this guy must have been a really big guy must have been an intimidating guy for him to just take Heather and of course he has this gun like we can't discount that like that must have been such a horrifying experience for her. I can't imagine you're relaxing, your mind isn't isn't there, and then the worst day in the world happens, and I, I just can't imagine. Anyways, that is literally all we know about that. So it's 2021. Heather has not been seen since. She has not been seen since. They're literally is not a single thing we know about Heather's location from August 26, 1995 to September 26, 2021. That's it. It's like the case went cold. But we do get some juicy suspects. We do get some questionable activities from the police themselves. So first... Let's start so let's start by talking about some suspects. Let's try to see who the police were looking at first. The first suspect we're going to talk about is a man named Marvin Dill. Now a witness would later come forward at the beach, someone who was at the beach that day, and say that a red white Ford Bronco was parked at the beach and was parked by Heather's vehicle. That person driving that red-white Ford Bronco was Marvin Dill or Marty Dill, as we're going to call him, That's because that's what he is more commonly um, called, is Marty. So police pulled over Marty Dill, uh, kind of just like a, a check, you know, this was everything that was going on, he got on their radar, and when they pulled him over and searched the vehicle, they found some really, really disturbing items in his car. They found multiple guns, rope, tape, duct tape. They found rubber gloves. They found knives. And they found a very long strand of brown hair in the car. Yeah, that is what they found in his car at that stop. And what's possibly even crazier than what they found in his car is what they did afterwards. They let him go. I just, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I'm not familiar with, you know, the rules, like, and regulations. I don't know if what he had in his car is probable cause for them to arrest him or bring him in for questioning or at least ask him to come in for questioning. Like, I don't know. I don't know if they did any of that. All I know is at that stop, they let him go and he went home. Now, Timothy Walthall, he ended up working with police to put together a sketch of the person that he said he saw 
pulling Heather off the beach. And like I said, this man was a big guy. He had bushy brown hair. He had a beard. He was just a very big in-your-face guy. Well, a lot of people say that that sketch resembles Marty to a T. However, a lot of Marty's family disagree because they say that Marty did not look anything like that at the time of Heather's abduction. They say that he was bald and clean-shaven around that time that she was abducted. So, very, very different than what Timothy Walthall says that he saw on the 911 call. This is on, you heard it, it's on record, it's saved. He said it's a bushy-haired guy with a beard. You don't confuse a bushy-haired guy with a beard with a bald, clean-shaven guy. I mean, you just don't. He, he was so sure on so many other things, too. I, I just feel like getting the hair wrong would be weird. And not just that, but getting, like, the fact that there was hair with the fact that there was no hair wrong. That just seems like a really weird detail that he shouldn't have gotten wrong. Like, this guy was literally saying that he saw the chrome plate on the gun. I, I, to me, it just doesn't seem like he would get the hair wrong. So not only though people say the composite sketch matches him, his family says, no, it doesn't match him, but there's another twist to this case that is insane. So police are looking at the sketch. They say, okay, with what was found in the car with this sketch, we have enough to go talk to Marty Dill. On the way to go see Marty Dill, he somehow learned that the police were coming to question him. He completed suicide before the police were able to come to his home. Let me repeat that. He completed suicide before police were able, ever able to come to his home to question him. To me, that seems very guilty. To me, that seems like there you have something to hide. To me, that seems like you just, under no circumstances, want them to question you about that day. It seems very, very suspicious to me. But sadly, he died. There's really nothing we can do. I mean, it's crazy. Heather's mother, Sarah Teague, says that she really was led to believe that Marty Dill was the main person of interest in her daughter's case because, like I said, the police were very sure they had him pinpointed as their person of interest very early on in this case. This was only about five days between when Heather Teague went missing, and then when Marty Dill committed suicide. All of that happened within a five-day period. And Sarah is being told all these details off and on by the police during this time. And she says she believed at that time that Marty Dill was responsible for her daughter's disappearance. Not just because of what she was being told, but she said that's, that's the only person who the police were really focusing on. He was their main person. But now that he was dead... It just seemed like it was just a whirlwind. One other interesting facet to this case is Sarah Teague, again, Heather's mother, wanted to listen to this 911 call that Timothy Walthall made to the 911 operator. She wanted to listen to it. It's public record. She should have been allowed to listen to it, but she was not allowed to listen to it. The police never handed this over for many, many years. And by many years, I'm talking 13 years. Sarah Teague had to wait 
13 years to hear this 911 call that was about her daughter's disappearance. When it's public record, she should have been able to allow, be allowed to hear it right away. And it's about her daughter, so of course she's going to want to hear everything she can pertaining to her daughter's disappearance. So, 2008. 2008. That was the first time Sarah Teague and her lawyer were allowed to sit down in the police station and listen to this 911 call. The very first time, waiting 13 years. They weren't allowed to listen to it again until 2016. So, eight years in between each phone call. And this is where it gets really weird. On the YouTube video that I listened to um, called Where is Heather by Sarah Brimer, go listen to it. She did a fantastic job. She covered this case as well. Again, I will link it. I found it. (laughs) I will link it into the show notes. She said that Sarah Teague swears to the fact that the audio she listened to in 2008 is different than the audio she listened to in 2016. And Sarah Teague isn't the only one to say that the audio is different. Her lawyer swears to this as well. And that's just so weird. So, okay, the difference between the two audios, to the 2008 audio, Sarah Teague said it was shorter. It was, like, abrupt. There wasn't a lot of details at all. But then she said the one in 2016, she said they didn't say, the caller didn't say anything about the man's disappearance, the man that abducted Heather's disappearance. Police, however, swear up and down that no, this is the same audio. She listened to the same 911 call in 2008, and she listened to the same 911 call in 2016. However, Sarah and her lawyer swear up and down that that is not true. Since that entire thing happened, since that squabble between um, the police and between Sarah, Like I said, we listened to the audio call. The audio call was released. The 911 call was. And you heard it yourself. It was long. Um, I didn't play the entire thing. I played most of it. Um, Very long. The caller, Timothy Walfall, was very descriptive. He talked about the the appearance um, of the man who took her. He talked about it extensively. And he talked about Heather's disappearance. Or, excuse me, Heather's appearance. So... I don't really know what to make of that. I don't really know what to make of the fact that she said they showed a different one. And if they did, I guess not a big deal, right? Like, if they had to take out a part, maybe because they didn't want something to be uh, released to the public so they could keep some information to the chest, yeah, that's fine. But why, if they did that, why didn't they be like, hey, Sarah, we can't show you the whole thing because this or that, but here is the audio again. You know, like, why are they saying, no, we didn't touch it, we didn't touch it, it's the same one. Or, maybe Sarah could be confused, because it's eight years between listening to it, um, the audio in 20, 2000, I keep saying 20, 2008 to 2016, it was eight years. I personally don't think she's going to forget details, especially something as important as this, but maybe she could have misconstrued it a little, I don't know, I really, like I said, I really don't think so. It's just very confusing. It's just very confusing overall, and I have so many questions about that in particular that I really don't know if I'm ever going to get answers to, honestly. Another suspect who we're going to talk about tonight is Christopher Bello. He was a native to the Henderson County area of Kentucky, and he was like a really horrible human. He was uh, he was involved in a 
manslaughter charge against a woman named Katherine Fetzer, and he is serving a prison sentence of 11 to 18 years, and that woman died in 1991. The body was never found, but Christopher Bello did confess to shooting her, according to the Charlie Project, and he pleaded, quote, guilty to attempted involuntary manslaughter. He is also considered a possible suspect in the disappearance of Mary Cushto, Shailene Farrell, and Christina Porco, end quote. So this guy uh, was accused and convicted of attempted involunt- excuse me, involuntary manslaughter against Catherine Fetzer, and then he was also considered a possible suspect in the disappearance of three other women. Now, one thing about the women that he is thought to be responsible for, they did look a lot like Heather Teague. They all had long, dark hair. They were all about 100 pounds, 5 foot. They were very petite. And so this would be his his type, let's say. This would fit into his type of woman. Heather would fit into that category. One other really weird, well, there's a lot of really weird things, but Heather, Marty Dill, and Christopher Bello all shared the same acquaintances. They all knew the same people. So it is possible that they could have run into each other, excuse me, on another day or could have known people that knew people that knew each other type of a thing. So they all kind of ran in the same circles. Another fact, when Marty Dill committed suicide five days after Heather Teague went missing, that same day that he committed suicide, Christopher Bello fled the state of Kentucky. He fled the state of Kentucky. Again, weird, weird, weird coincidence. Were Bello and were Christopher Bello and Marty Dill working together? Were they both involved in taking Heather Teague? Did one grab her and take her to the car where the other was waiting with the car and driving? There's just not a lot of evidence. Christopher Bello has never been charged in connection with the case because there's not a lot of evidence. That's why. Like, we don't really know. And and I don't know if we ever will, which is so frustrating with Marty Dill's death. What do you think? Out of Christopher Bello and Marty Dill, do you think either of them had anything to do with her disappearance? Do you think they both did? That's kind of what I'm leaning more towards is that Marty Dill was the one who went out and grabbed her while Christopher Bello was waiting in the car and he took part in taking her out of the location, whether it was driving or helping restrain her or whatever. He is set to be released in 2021. He's serving time in Ohio for the involuntary manslaughter and he is set to be released this year if he hasn't been released already, which is crazy. So he's still around here. He's still kicking like he could still come. I mean, honestly, like I doubt he's going to say anything now when he's scheduled for release. Like he's not going to do anything to prolong his sentence. But I just hope he slips up and like one night in a bar, he like lets too much information slip, you know, about this. If he had anything to do with it, I really hope that we can find out somehow definitively. Okay, so Marty Dill is a suspect. Christopher Bello is a suspect. Let's talk about, super briefly, about the third suspect. If you haven't already figured it out, Timothy Walthall is our third suspect. I kind of was dropping, like, little weirdo questions that I didn't like that stuck out to me with his 911 call. It's just, 
here's a couple things. Okay, the whole thing is very suspicious. Just him out there looking with his telescope at 2.45 that afternoon. That's weird to me. The waiting 25 minutes before he called 911, that's a little odd. Again, and um, Savannah touches on this on her YouTube segment of this. We can't judge how we're going to react in a situation until we are in that situation ourselves. Hopefully, none of us ever are. But Timothy thought that waiting 25 minutes would prove, you know, that she was in danger and that he wasn't going to be calling 911 for just a, quote, lover's spat type of a thing. So that's maybe why he waited. Or he waited for another reason. Also, the way he described it and how descriptive he was to me stood out. And another thing is he was very, very, very present in the investigations. He kind of seemed to put himself there and to kind of kind of weasel himself into the investigation. And as we know, a lot of times perpetrators will do that. They have this sick fascination with watching police try to figure it out and in their mind, you know, they know that they're the ones who did it type of a thing. Again, this is just speculatory. He has never, ever been named a person of interest, but he is, in my opinion at least, he should be considered a suspect. Sarah Teague, she said before that she doesn't believe Timothy Warthall's entire story. She thinks that there's some holes to it, so I think we need to take that into account as well. But if he was the one that allegedly did something to Heather, how? Okay, he lives on the other side of the Ohio River, on the Indiana side. So what happened? Did he see her with his telescope take a boat over from the one side to the other side, take her, somehow put her in her boat, take her to his home, then called after that 25 minutes? That seems improbable to me, honestly. It's it's kind of a stretch. It still could be possible, but again, never been proven, never been uh, said to be right. Uh, and if that's the case, like, where did Heather go from there? Why don't we know where she is yet? So there's a lot of things that I don't like about that. But it the whole thing with him does seem suspicious. So I could not end this episode without at least touching on the fact that he could be a suspect. Sadly, in 2007, Heather Teague was officially declared dead, even though her body has never been found. Not a single trace of her has ever been found, except for a little piece of bathing suit at the edge of the beach where she was sunbathing. That is the only piece of evidence that has been discovered to date that is in connection to her case. There was different reports that I was reading that speculated that maybe Heather Teague was involved in some kind of drug deal gone bad type of a scenario. Um, again, that's just speculatory. We don't know that for sure, but it is, I did read it in a few different places that she did dabble with different types of drugs. And that would, to me, make more sense how she would be involved with Marty Dill and Christopher Bello, if if not directly, indirectly uh, with their acquaintances with their shared acquaintances. So that would kind of make more sense how they would have that sort of in. And if that's the case, maybe Bello and Dill are somehow responsible and allegedly took her on that day and maybe it had something to do with drugs. So again, just speculatory. We don't know 
The FBI is involved as well as the Kentucky State Police and they say that they are still searching for her. Sarah Teague feels so alone in this. She says she's still looking for her. She still hopes that one day she can just walk back in her door and I really hope that that day comes. If not, I really hope that we get some sort of closure from this. If not for her family, just for just just for everyone involved in this case so far, I can't imagine how her family must feel. And Heather, if you're still out there, I really hope you can come back to us. And if not, I really hope that we can discover her body. Like I at this point, it's been so long. It's just so weird to me that we don't know anything else. So weird to me. You guys, that is it. That is all of the details that I have for Heather Teague's case. Obviously, like I do with all the cases that I cover or all the cases that I get piqued interest in, I'm going to keep following this. I'm going to see if we somehow get some update after all these years of waiting. I'm going to keep seeing... I'm going to look more into, for sure, Christopher J. Bellow's release. Um, I want to see when he's getting released, where he's getting released to. I want to find out more about that because he's a very shady character. I just kind of want to know where he's going, honestly. And, wow, what a crazy whirlwind. I feel like I just threw all these details at you. I'm sorry if it seemed a little scatterbrained. It's almost midnight here and I'm recording so late. So I feel like my late night ones are always just like, you know, that meme where this guy with the crazy hair is like connecting the red yarn over all these little things. I feel like that's me when I record late at night. Like, ah, this can't be possible. Like, what do you guys think? But anyways, sorry. But I want to know all that being said. Again, see, I'm telling you, scatterbrained. What do you guys think? Do you think Marty Dill is involved? Do you think Christopher Vello is involved? Do you think both of them have something to do with this? What do you think? What could have happened? Or do you think Timothy Walfall is hiding something? I want to know what you think. Reach out to me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Addicted underscore Crime. I'm at Facebook and Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. Um, you can see my uh, Addicted to Crime shorts there. Um, my TikTok is Addicted to Crime Pod. And you can also find us on YouTube. That's where the shorts are as well. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out on my email. That's I am addicted to crime at gmail.com. That's I am addicted to crime at gmail.com. Not I am. Not to be confused. I know that's a little confusing. I will be back in two weeks with a brand new case. Patreons, if you haven't listened already, go ahead and listen to your bonus episode for this month. It's another crazy one. I do a British serial killer, Gordon Cummins, and it's insane. It's the blackout killer. And if you are not a Patreon and you want to be, you can find the link for that on my website, www.addictedtocrime.org. You're going to find a lot of episodes there. I do a bonus episode every month, and I'm also going to be sharing some perks and stuff there down the road. You guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. I'll see you again in two weeks with another case. All right, bye-bye. Stay safe.